All right, man, I was all pumped up, and then Johnny did that, and I started shaking a little bit. Um, let me tell you why I started shaking a little bit whenever I see a bunch of people's hands go up. Because I immediately, just as soon as I looked around, I went, whoa, that's a lot of people putting their hands up. A lot of people are probably being really generous. Um, there was a time not very long ago, it doesn't seem like it's that long ago, that I was completely and utterly alone. And no one wanted to hear anything I had to say, and they shouldn't have. And I immediately found myself back in that moment whenever Johnny said that. So all of a sudden I'm shaking because I'm like, man, what an honor it is. If, If a man's real riches are counted by his friends, I promise you, Bill Gates has nothing on me. Nothing. I, I mean that. I mean that in humility, not in not in arrogance. Not in arrogance at all. It's just like, man, I am the most blessed person I know. I really am. I mean that. Gosh. That hasn't that was not how I was gonna start this. Uh, man, thank you guys. It's early, and, and I appreciate you getting up. I mean, gosh, so many of you are dear friends of mine. I just just to put your mind at ease, uh, Stephen. There are a lot of pictures in that book, right? There's some coloring pages for some of you. Um, Jesus walking on water. No, that's going to be in a phenomenal study, and and so if that piqued your interest at all, be be a part of that. Um, how, how's the sound? Is it coming through a little better? Good. Pro tip. Where's Johnny? Where'd he go? There you are. See, if you hold it right down here at the bottom and cover up that thing, that's when it starts going, right? So pro tip, you got to hold it up like this, right? You got to go rapper style. So anyway, I'm glad it sounds better. How many, anybody here grow up in the state of Oregon? You got any Oregonians in here? Okay. I found out, okay, got some, got some guys from Oregon. I found out a few years ago that there is a city in the state of Oregon called Boring, Boring Oregon. And so out of curiosity, I went to their website and it's hilarious. Johnny, it's a marketer's nightmare because everything on there is boring restaurants, boring event tickets, boring community meetings. Like, yes, that's so true. And there was a tab on there when I looked, this was a year or two ago, and I don't know if it's still on there, but it's boring religion. And I wonder, like, there's a bunch of you I heard in this room that maybe your, your boss or somebody at your work invited you to be here. You don't usually come to a church, maybe, because your idea of church is boring religion. And sadly, that, that has been true in a lot of churches. And maybe that was your experience growing up or whatever. I just want to tell you this morning, I don't believe for one second, I don't believe with any ounce of who I am that what Jesus came to do in your life and in my life is boring. In fact, the greatest adventure of my life, and I do love adventure, has been walking with Jesus. This group of men, look at this group of men. This group of men are not signing up for something boring. The truth is, a lot of men's ministry has been in the past kind of boring. I've been a part of that stuff too. That is not what we're about here. That's not what Johnny and Mark and their team are about. That's not what our church is about. So I just want to, I just want to challenge you maybe this morning to come in and say, okay, maybe this isn't just have some bacon and listen to a boring guy talk, all right? That, that's, that's not what I want to do today. I want to talk about something that I think will matter to you, something that you're very interested in. 
something that's not boring in any way, but something that has the power to transform you. When I think about transforming, I remember when I was 10 years old, I saved up my allowance and I bought like the most awesome watch that a 10-year-old could buy. It was a Transformers Optimus Prime watch. Okay, it was the coolest watch you could get when you're 10. It, it was, it was like, it was kind of Optimus Prime's face with the digital, little digital display on there. You could pop it off and you could fold him out, you know, and he would turn into, you know, Optimus Prime, the leader of the Autobots, the, the villain or the nemesis of the Decepticons. Do you guys remember the Transformers? Okay. Everybody remember the Transformers? And this watch was awesome because I didn't have any other real Transformers. Transformers, when I was a kid, they were the kind of expensive brand. They were, they, were like the, they were like the standard for these fold-out toys. That wasn't a priority in the Martin household for the budget. And so what I ended up with, more often than not, were what were called GoBots. Anybody remember GoBots? GoBots were kind of the distant, generic, odd cousin of the Transformer, Right? Like the Transformer would be this 18-wheeler that folded out and turned into this robot that was armed to the teeth. The GoBot would be something more like a, a sensible Buick LeSabre <laughs> that folded into an industrial copy machine. I mean, it was, it was like a, a, a tank that folded into a tank with feet. You know, that, that was the GoBots. But I, I had this this... Optimus Prime watch and I loved it and see that was the thing about these toys whether it was the Transformers or the GoBots they had this purpose see if you just wanted a really cool truck or car as a kid you go with Tonka you go with Hot Wheels right and if you wanted a really cool robot you go down to Radio Shack you know and get that robot with the cord attached and the remote control okay I'm, I'm dating myself I know but if you wanted a, a, a cool car that turned into a robot, then you went with the Transformers. And if for any reason you wanted the LeSabre or in the copy machine, you go with the GoBots. But my point is, the purpose of these toys was to transform. The purpose was to change from something good to something even better. That's what it was. And how many of you know that that's your purpose? You may not be convinced of that, but I'm certain that you long for it. I'm certain that you see who you are right now at your job, in your marriage, with your kids, your fitness level, all these categories in a man's life. You see all of those and you say, I know where I am. I would long to be something better than what I am. You have a desire to transform. And this morning I would suggest that there is a real and legitimate way for you to go from who you are to who God created you to be. I am a lover of great guy movies. I love guy movies. And I, and I bet you do too, so we're just going to have a little audience interaction right now. Give me some guy movies that you love. Okay, Terminator, Tombstone, what else? Braveheart, Die Hard. <laughs> Braveheart, Die Hard, I like it. What else? 
Gladiator, Transformers, said Transformers. Did you think that's where I was going, Dean? Did you say that? Oh, somebody over here. What'd you say again, Dean? Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Dean, that's not exactly where I was going. Uh, he didn't say that. Um, why is it that we love these movies? For me, like Saving Private Ryan, Gladiator. My, probably my favorite movie of all time is Braveheart. I love Braveheart. And what is it about guy movies that draws us in? What is it? It's because they often have men or groups of men who move forward when others shrink back. Men who step into the face of danger. Men who face down that which is evil. Men who sacrifice themselves for the people that they, that they love. That's why we love these movies, because something inside of us wants to be those kind of men. Almost all, I would say everybody in this room on some level has that desire. I want to be that guy that when others are hiding because they're afraid, I want to be the man that moves forward in the face of risk and danger. And I want to invite you to that today, because let, let's face it, right now, right now, Everybody in this room is facing some kind of a challenge that is going to require you to move forward instead of shrink back. You've got something going on with your wife. You've got something going on with your kids. You've got something going on at the office or on the job site. You've got something going on with your health. You've got something going on with your finances. You've got something and maybe a bunch of stuff that is causing you to want to shrink back, but you know you can't and be the person that you want to be. You know you got to go forward. And so we need to understand what is it that helps us transform from men who hide and are passive and stay static to men who move forward into the face of danger, no matter what it is. And so what I want to do today is I want to show you a couple great stories from Scripture. Stories that are a lot like the movies that we love, and what are the principles there that we can draw out to apply to our life to help us go from being good men to better versions of the men that we are, to transform from something good to something better. Um, I want to show you a, a short video if Brian has that queued up. Anybody see this video? It was kind of viral recently. Anybody see this? Yellowstone National Park. Whoa, hello. Big old animal. Nine-year-old girl, I think. So this, this next time, I want you to notice to the right side of the screen, see those two people that are running off to the, to the right there while the bison attacks their daughter? Now, I slowed this down a bunch of times. That looks like two guys to me that are running. I read a bunch of reports, and it said those are the girl's parents. I guess that's possible. Could have been two guys and the girl's parents. I don't know, but it said it was the girl's parents, regardless if it was or not, even if it was total strangers. These dudes are running from that bison and leaving the little nine-year-old girl to fend for herself. That is not the man that you want to be. Now, you're not as heavy as, as this bison. You're not as strong as this bison. You don't have horns like this bison. But you're the kind of man that doesn't run away whenever a little girl is about to be attacked. You're the kind of man that runs toward 
the thing that frightens you. The problem is you got a question in your mind, and it's the same question that I have had in my mind for years. The question is, am I for real? Am I a phony? When it's quiet and it's just me by myself, that's a question that I wrestle with. Like, if I was really in the moment, am I the guy that runs away or am I the guy that runs toward the danger no matter what it might cost me? Let's look at a couple stories here that, that might help us answer that question. I don't know if you're taking notes, but here's, I'm going to say three things. Here's the first thing I want to say. Heroic courage for tomorrow is built through ordinary courage today. Heroic courage for tomorrow is built through ordinary courage today. You know the story of David and Goliath. Everybody in here knows the story of David and Goliath. It comes out of 1 Samuel 17. And in this story, you've got this young, maybe teenage shepherd boy. His brothers are all off fighting the battle and he's stuck tending the sheep. His dad says, here's some, here's some sack lunches. Take them to your brothers out on the battlefield. Out on the battlefield, these two armies are lined up against each other. But every morning, this enormous nine and a half foot tall guy comes out, this hardened warrior, and he says, hey, we don't have to do this whole battle. Just send out your best champion. Send out your best warrior. Take me on. Whoever wins the mano a mano can, can win the battle. And the Israelites just keep running and hiding in caves and they're shrinking back. Nobody wants to take this guy on. And then David shows up with the sack lunches and he hears what this guy is saying. And he says, is nobody going to like shut this guy's mouth? You hear what he's saying? He's like insulting our God. He's insulting us. And they all look at him like, who do you think you are? You're going to go take him on? You, You little teenage punk. Right? And his brothers are fighting with him and everybody has doubts in him. But Saul, the king, hears about it. And Saul calls him and he says, hey, what's this smack talk you're giving about you're going to take this guy on? And I want you to see what David says to Saul in 1 Samuel 17, verse 36. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord has rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. You know what David is saying there? He's saying, when I was off over here and no one was watching, no one was applauding, no one was going to see how heroic and courageous I was. I'm just tending sheep. I moved forward with courage. Some of you are at a job and you feel like nobody notices what you're doing. You're contributing, you're doing your best, and it's like nobody's patting you on the back, nobody's saying anything. Some of you have been trying very hard in your marriage and you don't feel like your wife is is trying as much as you are. 
And day in and day out, you're trying to hold your temper. You're trying to say kind things and you just don't feel like it's being reciprocated. A lot of you are in situations that are ordinary life situations. Did you know that these situations matter for what is ahead? For big challenges, for heroic courage to happen later, it has to happen in the everyday right now. Your courage is going to be tested today. What will you do with that? Because if you think you're waiting for some big opportunity to be the hero in the future and you're not preparing for that now with the help of your God, you're never gonna step into that battle. You are going to be a man who shrinks back. Take small steps today because they matter. Things like this. Try a five-day devotional reading study on the Bible app. It's a small step. Take it. Put the porn filter on your phone. You've been thinking about it. Do it. Admit you have a little problem with alcohol and tell somebody. Find a recovery group. Bring your family to church next weekend. You've talked about it before. Just come. Just put yourself in that place. Honor God with a tenth of your resources. Some of you are like, I don't know what he's talking about, but some of you do know what I'm talking about. And you've been thinking about it. And you've been saying, could we possibly do that? We don't have the money to do that. Take the step. Join a small group. For some of you, lead. Lead a small group. Heroic courage for tomorrow happens by taking small steps of courage today. Here's the second one. Confidence in your ability will hold you back. Confidence in God's ability will push you forward. Confidence in your ability will hold you back. Confidence in God's ability will push you forward. So, so here's, a, here's another story. It comes out of Numbers, the 14th chapter. You've got the people of Israel are crossing the, crossing the Red Sea. They're, they're going to go into the promised land, right? And Moses sends a, a group of 12 guys to go check out what's in the land. What kind of resistance are we going to have? And in the 13th chapter, they come back and 10 of the guys say, you... You wouldn't believe it. Yes, it's a fruitful, pretty cool land, but it's filled with giants and they're strong and they're powerful and there's no way that we can go in there and take that land from them. And the people were in despair. But in chapter 14, we see these two guys, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb step forward and they say, hey, 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 hold on just a second. Hold on. We can do this. And this is what they say. Numbers 14, Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. That means they were ticked off when they heard these other 10 guys saying, can't be done. We're not strong enough. They tore their clothes and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land that flows with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people in the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not 
be afraid. Here's the difference between Joshua and Caleb and the other 10 guys. The other 10 guys were focused on their limitations, specifically the limitations of who they were. Joshua and Caleb were focused on their expectation of who God is. What about you? Is your focus on what you know you can't do because you didn't get a degree? Is your focus on what you can't do because you're not as young a man as you used to be? Is your focus on what you can't do because you're not married, you're single at this time, you don't have kids, you're you're more limited? Is your focus on the fact that you don't have enough money in your bank account to make a big difference? Or is your focus on the expectation of what God could do in you? It's amazing how one will cause you to shrink back and the other kind of thrusts you forward. And I would invite you to focus on what your expectation of God is not your expectation of yourself. If you look at yourself, you're limited. You're limited. If you look at God, he is unlimited and he has made it really clear and maybe you haven't been around church and maybe you don't know the Bible very well. He's made it very clear that he has big plans for you and he will see them accomplished if you let him. That's the truth. I got a text from a good friend yesterday. <laughs> I think I'm a man's man, but I'm a crier too, man. I cry, man. I, my heart is moved by things. I had to gather myself in my car before I went into the office because when I read this text, I was just in tears. And uh, it's from a good friend that works here in our organization. He's a coach and uh, and a teacher at, at our school here, Lincoln Christian School. We've been in this series that Johnny mentioned called Mission of God, and we've been talking about how do we align our lives with God's mission. And this is the, a text that I got from this man, a man that most of you would know, even though I'm not going to say who it is. <laughs> Listen to this. True confessions of a physically and emotionally giant introvert. Here I sit, at a truck stop diner, always knowing but not fully realizing that there is a whole world outside of my little bubble. A life spent in a locker room, on a field, or in a classroom, investing in kids and families, convinced that this was my calling. And it is, but there's a lot more. I've been praying for the spot to outwardly live my life on mission A greasy diner at a truck stop? Really, God? I resisted this morning. I got here early. I sat in the parking lot, even left for a bit, trying to convince myself that this wasn't it. I had school to get to. I had things to do. Even praying that this may not be where I need to be and asking God if he was sure about this. Finally, I just entered game mode. I stepped in as a player again and I came back and I parked and I sat there outside thinking, hoping, praying that this was some kind of a joke. But I thought of last night's service and he was talking about this last first Wednesday for those of you who were here. After all, he said, I don't have to go in and preach to anybody. What's the worst that could happen? I silently convinced myself. I walked into a busy truck stop diner praying that I would be whoever the person I cross paths with needs me to be. 
praying for peace that I won't be the weird single guy hanging out at a truck stop. After all, that's how most episodes of Criminal Minds begin. I met Lance, who seated me. Small talk and simple conversation, that's it. Lance is probably 40 or so, possibly spending his previous years, at least by what I judge from his appearance and demeanor, as a used car salesman. Gold rings, gold chain, thinning blonde hair that was slicked back. He was a smooth operator with a raspy voice, and I sat and I listened as Lance worked the room. He was smooth, clearly the alpha male of the diner staff. I finished, I connected with Lance one more time, and I told him that I'd see him next week. We'll see what happens, but I'm pushing forward. Outside my little comfort zone of school and church families and praying that God guides me to whomever I'm supposed to cross paths with at a truck stop diner. School and church is easy compared to this. The brokenness of people finds me here. See, at the truck stop, I'm the one trying to fit in and yet be noticeably different in a kingdom way. Comfort zone vacated. Here we go. Mission of God. If you look at your limitations, you will get stuck. If you look at God's ability, you will step forward. Here's the third one. Those who want to hide go alone. Those who want to thrive go together. Those who want to hide go alone. Those who want to thrive go Think about it. You used to play hide and seek when you were a kid. You didn't want anybody hiding with you. The best way to hide is to hide by yourself, to be small, to be isolated. And there are people in this room, there are men in this room that you've been hiding That's why you're isolated. You don't want people to know what's going on in your life. You don't want people to know what you're struggling with. You're sitting in this room right now going, that guy on the stage, he has it all together. But if he only knew what I'm going through, they wouldn't want me in this place. Can I tell you, you're in good company. None of us have it figured out, least of all me. But you hide. Go alone, hide You won't step forward. You will shrink back. You want to thrive in your life? Find somebody to do that with. And I had a section here. I'm going to skip it in the interest of time. But but sometime go back to 2 Samuel 23 when it talks about David's mighty men. Gosh, I love that story. I love the story of all these guys. David was the king. He was the guy that slew Goliath. Like he had it all. And yet he knew how important it was to surround himself with powerful men that made him a better version of himself. And just real quick, there's this one guy, Eleazar, and he he stands when everybody else runs away. He stays in the middle of the battlefield and he strikes down the entire army that they're fighting with the sword. And I love this line at the end of the story. It says he struck them down. And when it was over, the sword was frozen to his hand. I love that. I love that picture. Like somebody had to come and peel his fingers off the sword because that's the passion with which he was fighting. I love that story. David knew how important it was to have a band of brothers. You're not David. I'm not David. I need a band of brothers 
just like he did, even more. But the story I want you to to look at is the story of Jonathan. Jonathan and his armor bearer. This is what it says. It says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. That was an insult in the day. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. It's an interesting line. Let's go over, just the two of us, and take on a whole battalion of guys. And then here's the line. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. I don't like those. I don't like the way he said it. I would have preferred that he said, we, I know for a fact, I just heard from the Holy Spirit, he is going to save. It's not it's like, perhaps, maybe, we'll see. Let's just go jump into the fray. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few, Jonathan said. <laughs> and then his armor bearer goes, do everything you have in mind. I'm with you, heart and soul. I've got your back. In the rest of the story, Jonathan and his armor bearer climb up this cliff. They jump into an area that it says was less than half of an acre, and they slew like 20 to 25 guys in the battle, just the two of them, back to back. It even says that Jonathan went through slaying, and the armor bearer went through behind him, cleaning up those who were still moaning and groaning, I guess. Who has your back? I love to climb mountains. A few years ago, I climbed my first really big mountain, 14,000 plus feet in Colorado. I was excited about the experience, but when I think back about that very first one, it was very sobering because on our way up, it was a mountain called Kit Carson in Colorado, and on our way up, we passed all these rescue guys, rugged-looking dudes that were going up, and we asked them what they were doing, and they said, we're, we're recovering a body. Man, really sobering, made me nervous. It was the first one I had climbed. It was kind of a tougher climb. And we got up there the next day. And when we looked down maybe 800 to 1,000 feet, we could see these men with a body in a sleeping bag with ropes trying to extract the body to a place where they could get it on a helicopter and, and take it out of the mountains. And I remember just having this super uneasy feeling. So we started asking around, what happened? And what we were told was, he came up here alone. And he tried to take a shortcut to get back quickly. And he fell 800 feet and died. There's an old African proverb that that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, Go together. The consequences of going by yourself can and will be grave. Don't do that. Find someone who has your back. It's probably someone there around the table with you, or it could be. Don't hide like the Israelites did. Step forward with other men. All right, this week has been a unique week for me. There are a lot of guys in here that know my story. There are probably a lot of you in here that don't know my story. But Monday morning, this past Monday morning, Labor Day, marked the 10-year anniversary for the Monday Labor Day morning when my wife 
opened up my computer and found a series of emails that proved that I was having an affair with a woman on my staff as the senior pastor of a large church in Nebraska 10 years ago this past Monday morning. On Monday this week, I got up and Shannon said, I made some coffee. My wife, still my wife. I made some coffee. Yeah, that's that's worth celebrating for her. What a woman. Um, She said, I made some coffee. And I said, I'm not going to drink that coffee. Because 10 years ago, I was driving to Starbucks when she called me hysterical on the phone and said, get back here. When I got back, she was loading up our two young boys in the van and peeling out of our driveway. And I didn't know if I would ever see them again. I said, I'm going to Starbucks. And I drove to Starbucks and I got coffee. And then I drove to the little gravel parking lot where about eight or nine years ago, I sat with my head on my steering wheel, sobbing and weeping, saying, God, I can't fix my life. I've ruined my life and I cannot fix it. Help me. And I sat in that parking lot and I wept again, but they were very, very different tears. Guys, God has the power to radically transform your life if you will let him. Jesus Christ can take you from wherever you are right now and radically change who you are, transform you from who you are to who he has called you to be if you'll let him. I know because I've lived it. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to ask him to do that. Would you bow your heads with me? No pressure here. You don't have to pray this prayer. But if you're saying, I want, I need transformation. I need Jesus. I want purpose. I want to be a kind of man that moves forward. I want a rescue from this situation or that situation or from my life. If that's you, then I want you to pray this prayer. And we're all going to pray it together because we all believe in it. No pressure if you're not comfortable with this, but, but if you are, Everybody, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for giving me a chance to be the man you created me to be. I receive Jesus. I ask him into my life that I might be changed into his image. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, let's, let's put our hands together for those who did that. <laughs> guys, I, I love you guys. Some of you, like, I know you well, and you know that I love you. Some of you guys, I don't know, but I love you guys so much. Thanks a lot for giving me a little bit of your time. We're gonna get you out of here. We love you guys.